Disrupt Yourself by Whitney Johnson. One sentence summary. Disrupt Yourself explains how you can harness the ever-accelerating power of disruptive innovation in your personal life, be it to advance your career or to build a company that thrives, by embracing your limitations, focusing on your strengths, and staying flexible and curious along the way. My favorite quote from the author is, When you make the decision to start something new, first figure out the jobs you want to do. Then position yourself to play where no one else is playing. Whitney Johnson Honestly, I'm not a big fan of the word disrupt. Not just because it's overused and often abused in the wrong context, but also because it sounds self-serving. We're here to disrupt, and we are a disruptive company. Imply that someone wants to cause trouble on purpose. Like they're actively trying to push others off the market or destroy an old industry. But that's never how disruption happens. Apart from being very much out of the disruptor's hands, the world has to be ready to be disrupted and accept the change, after all. Successful disruptors never focus on the negative. Instead, they focus on the positive change they're trying to cause. Call me old-fashioned, but that's why I prefer how Steve Jobs always worded it, challenging the status quo. A challenge is a game, an experiment, a call-out to the incumbent. It comes without bad intention and is not presumed on winning versus losing. However, I'm glad Whitney Johnson picked the word disrupt in her book's title, because it adds a whole lot of positive connotation to it, thanks to the brilliant framework she's giving readers to challenge the status quo of their careers, lives and companies. Here are my three favorite lessons. 1. There are two types of risk in starting a business, and one is better than the other. 2. If you can pair your own unique strengths with an unmet need of the community you live in, you win. 3. Careers and companies are both made successful by staying flexible. Let's challenge the status quo of work, shall we? Disrupt yourself, lesson 1. A new company will face a competitive risk or a market risk, one of which is easier to overcome. This answers the question, what types of risk do new businesses face? When you have an idea for a new product or company, you can always put it in one of two buckets. One, it already exists, or two, it doesn't already exist. Whether what you want to do has already been put into the world by someone else then determines the type of risk you'll face while trying to get your business off the ground. If what you're planning to do already exists in one form or the other, you'll have to deal with the competitive risk of having to compete against other companies and players in the market. 4-Minute Books is a good example of this. Non-fiction book summaries have long been offered by other websites, services and companies. The model is proven to work, but that also means there's lots of competition going on already which I'm working hard to overcome. If you've come up with something totally new and unique, you'll face a market risk, meaning you have no idea if the world will want what you have and pay you for it. For example, if you want to make the world's first self-tying shoes, you can't know beforehand if people even want them. They might be a big hit or a total flop. According to Whitney Johnson, companies that take the market risk fare better on average. For example, in a 1995 study about disk drive companies, 6% of competitive risk businesses reached $100 million in sales, while 37% of market risk companies did. Disrupt yourself, lesson 2. Figure out your unique strengths and pair them with the unmet needs of your community to win.
This answers the question, how can I play on my strengths to find a career I love? Everybody's good at something. If you love to sleep in and get angry when you wake up feeling groggy, then guess what? You're good at sleeping. Maybe you can help other people sleep better too. Most people try to iron out their flaws and weaknesses to make themselves more well-rounded. That's a mistake. Instead, if you just focused on the things you're already good at and combined those with what the people around you need, you'd have a chance at creating something remarkable. The book uses the novel and movie The Hundred Foot Journey as an example. An Indian family moves to France, their son being a talented cook. They try to get an Indian restaurant up and running, but it's hard because the French don't feel they need Indian food. Once they combine their skills with the Michelin star French restaurant across the street, however, something new and unseen is created, and the restaurant takes off. Look around you. What needs are going unfulfilled, and how can you use your strengths to service them? Answer this question, and you will succeed. Disrupt yourself, lesson three. Careers, as well as companies, become successful by staying flexible. This answers the question, what is an important attitude for successful careers and companies? Let's say you get out of high school wanting to be a pharmacist. However, you don't have the right grades to get in, so you switch to chemistry, thinking you'll transition after two semesters. But then you end up liking chemistry, so you actually finish the diploma. You like it so much, in fact, that you decide to get a PhD in it. After you're done, you go to a big chemical company and get into the lab, what you've always wanted to do as a pharmacist. However, after two years, you realize that stirring liquids in glasses is boring you to death, so you put yourself out there and end up with a job at a company that creates and produces sealants and adhesives for the industry. Because you like the work better, you do a great job and end up being promoted to head of R&D, until you eventually lead the firm's product management and even their marketing, loving what you do. Sounds unlikely? Well, that's exactly what my dad did. Careers aren't a straight line, and those who end up with great work they love often only do so because they stay curious and flexible, open to whatever might happen. Similarly, a business that's bent on selling one thing and one thing only will have a tough time in succeeding. What if the customers of your pizza restaurant tell you that they come for the pizza but stay for the wine? Would you embrace it? Whitney says 70% of all successful companies end up with a different product or strategy than they started out with. It takes a whole lot of curiosity and flexibility to do that. Here's what I learned from Disrupt Yourself by Whitney Johnson. Okay, what I like about this is that this puts a new spin on, I don't want to say an old topic, because the whole disruption idea itself is still fairly new. I mean, how old are startups? 10, 15 years. But, you know, in the context of pop science books, that's probably already old. Um, Let's talk about each lesson in a bit more detail. So, first one, market risk versus uh, competitive risk. That's something we learned in school, uh, in in school for business uh, business subjects as well. Market risk, competitive risk. So obviously, the whole competition play is safer, quote unquote, because you know that's a validated market. There are people demanding everything there, but it's very hard to become a top player in it. Now, the whole market risk idea is basically being a category of one. So you define your own new niche, your own new 
little slot of the market or your cross market because you combine say Indian food and French cuisine and then you start that and you see if the world takes it or not so if the world takes it you're lucky uh, and you will probably be the incumbent in the space but if not then you might go out of business now I, I said in the summary or I wrote in the summary that you can test this idea this whole if you take market risk you take market risk and you don't know what happens that's not entirely true um and then again it is let me explain so first of all you can test basically any idea right so if you if we go back to the example of the words first self-tying shoes which by the way nike has already done they're called hyper adapt i think so basically these shoes tie themselves this it's amazing i mean just google it um and so if you want to make these shoes, obviously you could have a Kickstarter. And I think that's even what they did or the company they bought. And I don't know. But you could do a Kickstarter where you make a prototype and a and that takes a little funding, right? But it's not like you're building an all-out company and get millions and millions of dollars. You, you build a little prototype, you do a Kickstarter, and then you see if the world takes it. So that's one scenario how you can kind of test market risk. On the other hand, who would have known that the world needs an iPhone? Or, or that the world wants an iPhone. Nobody, right? Everybody was happy with the phones that they had. So, and, and, or at least the style of phones that they had. So sometimes you can't predict what the market wants because the market doesn't even know, right? That's also something Steve Jobs kept saying. You have to give the people, you have to know what people are going to want before they want it. And that's sort of true innovation. And that's, But that's the part where it gets risky. And that's where it becomes a risky play because there's no way for you to actually find out. And this is, by the way, something that startups tend to do tend to do well, or at least try to do well, is that they are okay with not knowing what their what their market and what their product is. They just start something and they try to figure it out and get traction and get users. And by the time they have an actual business model, they're usually three, four, five years old, and they start making money. So this whole idea of just being out there and and taking on the market risk without really knowing how to deal with it that's entirely new and that's something we still have a hard time getting up, wrapping our heads around but just some more background on that the second part i mean focusing on your strengths that's a that's like gary vaynerchuk 101 if you follow him or if you've ever heard anything about him he's like you need to get, go all in on your strengths and not give a fuck about your weaknesses like that's his line word for word um and literally take the sleeping example because a lot of people say like, oh yeah, I like to sleep in and I don't know, I'm boring, blah, blah, blah. Actually, sleeping is a fascinating topic, right? If you just had the guts, the stamina to sit at your computer and learn more about it, um, then you would probably figure out that hmm, there's some angle you can take. And I mean, if you're angry, if you wake up groggy in the morning, then probably other people are too. And if you can find out what if if the same things make them angry that you do, then maybe you can work on a solution. For example, there's a startup called Nora Sleep, I think. And what they made is this fascinating little device that you put under your, your pillow and it self-inflates um, randomly at night or following a certain pattern. And what does it do? You don't even notice it, but it stops you from snoring. Imagine how cool is that, right? It raises your pillow up and down depending on how your head rests and the, and the snoring noises you make. And apparently that helps and you don't have to snore as much. And so your partner, for example, can sleep much much better so there's tons of stuff and tons of ideas you could come up with but please 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 don't waste your time rounding out your resume or some of that crap um i've abandoned that a long time ago and it's really really served me well I've, i'm much happier for it 
Lastly, being flexible. I, w- I want to make one important caveat about being flexible. So I outlined the journey of my dad, how, how he did, what he did for his career. Um, and being flexible does not mean giving up, okay? So one, one a very big problem millennials my age category have, if you're born anywhere between, I don't know, 1980 to 2000, then please, please don't throw in the towel after six months and don't say this job isn't for me it's not my calling blah blah blah. you've been there for a year because nobody knows that at that time so the thing is you get more passionate as you do the work but you the whole flexibility aspect is more about being open to changes that when they occur when when you have to make a change so let's say like my dad he didn't get into pharmacy so he did chemistry right so that's a change you have to be flexible about because there's not much you can do being flexible then is very, very good. Being flexible or, or faking being flexible by saying, uh, yeah, you know what, this job's not for me. Like, I can't, I don't have any impact. I can't, I don't get to make any important decisions. I'm out of here. Well, guess what? You graduated six months ago. How is anyone going to give you responsibility? That's not going to happen anywhere. Um, because, you know, millennials, another problem, we always want to have impact and make impact, 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 impact. But we don't even get through the whole apprenticeship period where we even learn and get the authority to even make impact. But that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, so flexibility does not mean giving up, right? There's a difference. So know the difference. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say to this one. I hope you enjoyed the summary, Disrupt Yourself by Whitney Johnson. And I will see you on the next one.